0: Welcome to the Grow Kinder podcast, where thought leaders in education explore how social emotional learning can help us navigate society's most pressing challenges and create a kinder, more compassionate world. Brought to you by Committee for Children. Captain Compassion and Kid Kinder are back to continue the important work of bullying prevention. Captain Compassion is one of my absolute favorite projects that I get to work on here at Committee for Children. I am obsessed. You and the kids in your life have the power to help. When upstanders intervene, it can reduce bullying by more than 50%. One of the highlights of working on this year's campaign was the time I spent in conversation with our new illustrator, Nick Butler. We had very deep and intentional discussions on everything from the upstander messaging in the comics, to how we think about representing Black characters on the page, to how we can help foster an environment where Black creators can thrive. And when I say thrive, I mean feel seen, heard, and empowered. I'm your host, Shauna McBride, and today on the Girl Kinder podcast, I sit down with Nick, to talk about all those things and more. Nick, I'd love it if you could tell our listeners a little about the work that you do with Captain Compassion, as it's been so important.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm the illustrator on Captain Compassion, um, and uh, this year I was brought on to help uh, make some adjustments to the character designs. Uh, I've been trying personally to... Definitely give Captain Compassion a look, a cartoony look, Uh, make it look like a Saturday morning cartoon, something that I used to watch when I was a kid, um, and help to develop who the characters are through their visuals, and through that and some of the conversations that Sean and I have been having, uh, have really, I think, added to the character, really helped to flesh both of them out, uh, both Chris and Captain Compassion. Um, <laughs> Kid Kinder, who I I call him Chris because my little brother's. You
0: always <laughs> call him Chris, yeah, <laughs> which I love.
1: My little brother's name is Chris, and so I really resonate with that. And and I think I've sort of imbued um, a little bit of him and myself into this character. When when I was doing my I guess my application illustration for the job, um, I referenced a picture of myself from the sixth grade. Um, I was sitting in a really tacky suit, but uh, (laughs) I think the facial expression and the facial features really, really helped me to find out who Chris was.
0: Yeah. Ah, I love it. Yes, we, you know, one of of the big things we try to do through the Captain Compassion comics is help kids understand what upstander power is and why it's important. Why do you think it's important to send this message to kids?
1: Yeah, I, I personally... I found myself in that bystander role. I wasn't the person who was always the center of bullying, but I do remember distinctly not proactively taking any actions to prevent it either. And so I now have four kids of my own, and I want to make sure that when they find themselves in those situations, that they are standing up for folks. And kids... Um, when they engage with it, I'm hoping that they will kind of internalize it so that when they find themselves in that situation, they're thinking about that comic they read and that they will have it there in their pocket uh, to to be able to draw on it. I've always wanted to take my art and do something positive with it. Um, A lot of times you get wrapped up in wanting to make it a career but I definitely wanted to do something positive.
0: Well, let's dig into that a little, actually. Um, So, uh, we at Committee for Children have been very intentional about each character that's depicted in this comic series, and um, Kid Kinder identifies as a black character, as a young black male. Why do you think it's important for black characters to be depicted or created by black artists?
1: There was not a lot of representation when I was a kid. And um, I remember a conversation with my father after I had moved to LA and he asked me, why don't you draw black people? And at the time yeah. it didn't even occur to me that I wasn't drawing black people. Wow. And, um, and it had a huge impact on like the direction of my art and uh, the things that I was exploring and so when I had this opportunity with Kid Kinder to represent the black community, I I dug in uh, and really wanted to make sure that I was singing the praises of black boys and black girls, and uh-huh. and wanted to have the character capture that essence and really represent. But I think any time there's an opportunity to uh, diversify what kids see on screen the better for their well-being and their self-image.
0: I was so struck by what Nick said at this moment. As a young person, it didn't even occur to him that he wasn't drawing black characters. He was simply reflecting back the world that he saw around him. And the world around him was a white world. I personally understand how that disconnect can affect the way black children develop a sense of their own identity and their place in the world. I remember a similar experience that I had as a child. I was living in Guam with my parents, my dad was in the military, and one night I was roaming around our home and I became transfixed with a woman on the television screen. It is truly my most vivid memory and I remember it like it was yesterday. She was a brown woman and she was reporting the news. And this was incredibly significant to me because I had never seen anybody that looked like me in such an influential role. And that moment had an incredibly profound effect on me, on my life. It was the moment I decided to become a journalist. In thinking about why Nick and I both had these similar experiences, I wondered about the media environment we both grew up in and the kinds of images we were exposed to as children. What was the, what was the media environment like when you were growing up? Do you, do you remember diverse representation in shows that you watched back in the day?
1: I do remember there, that most of the characters who I connected with um, were not ever really the main character. Mm. Um you know, they were always kind of the sidekick or the best friend. And so shows like, so shows that I was into were uh, because of the, my military background. G.I. Joe was number one. Um, ah, and-
0: loved it. <laughs> <laughs> love
1: it. Love it. Uh, Ditto. Transformers, number two. Um, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so I, I, I really loved everything that I saw on TV, no matter who was there, because if it was well-made, you would connect with the character. But um, there, there, there weren't a lot of shows that had black leads. Um, and um, there, the shows that did have uh, black characters, so of course, Fat Albert, was one that, uh, that I didn't watch a whole lot of, but there was a show where the characters were frogs, but they were very black coated. Uh, There's a show called Street Frogs. So, you know, since I've kind of come to this sort of realization in my life, I definitely want to remedy that and make sure that there's more representation. But I, you know, I wasn't, like I said, when my dad made me aware of that fact, Uh, that was when I first realized, like, I think I need to start seeking out things that, um, represent me and that I connect with, uh, because it wasn't up front, uh, when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. Oh, what a, I can imagine what a big moment that was, that conversation with your dad, um, your, your army dad, which by the way, that's okay. My dad was military, uh, was a Navy military man and, um. You know, I we're gonna look past the the army piece. Even <laughs> <laughs> another thing you said that I wanted to unpack a little is uh, G.I. Joe. It's so funny. A couple years ago, there was a, a G.I. Joe movie that came out that I watched, mm. and um, I could not get over the fact that they did kind of this uh, this swap. Of the quote-unquote, you know, good character and, and more troubled character, and the the good character was in an all black costume, and um, the more troubled character was in an all white costume. And my mind, really, you know, there were scenes where they were battling, and I thought about it a lot. And I, I appreciated that um, that whomever put that movie together didn't kind of lean into stereotypes and. Again, that came came into play when you and I had conversations about uh, what Kid Kinder would be wearing, what color his shirt would be, um, you know, how dark the room would be. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, let's let's talk through some of the design decisions you've made with Kid Kinder and what goes into those decisions. You had mentioned, and we discussed in detail, balled up fists. Why was it important to not show Kid Kinder with balled up fists?
1: A lot of times when you draw superheroes or when I've been drawing superheroes, they're always ready to fight. And so it's been this interesting balance of um, sort of a assertive, strong confidence in resistance to anti-bullying, but not having it being threatening in any way. There's been a perception and specifically that this idea of the angry, aggressive black man. When we were talking uh and you reinforced it was we're very sensitive about making sure that we did not feed into that in any way um that kid kinder needed to to give this confident gentle strength um and and that's kind of what i do, have had to do in my daily life i as a i'm 6'2 um and uh i can I think to some people be intimidating. And so I've always had to posture myself sort of in a way that is non-threatening. And, and so as I was designing Kid Kinder, I was looking at myself and thinking about myself and thinking about the community and thinking about these ideas that people have formed around characters, black characters, specifically black male characters. And I didn't want to reinforce any of those negative stereotypes. And so I really wanted that that gentle, calm, assertive strength to come across without having to use furrowed brows or bald fists.
0: So often in animation, but even in everyday life, visual shorthands can be used to convey emotions and feelings. Dark colors often indicate something bad while lighter colors can indicate something good. Thinking about this, I'm reminded of a story that Bayonne Coleman, one of our guests from last season, told me about how a well-intentioned teacher let this thinking slip into an activity in her classroom, which had some unintended consequences for her students. The teachers did not want her to have, or any of the scholars, to have muddy paintings. And so what they would do is they would take tape and put it over the black and the brown paint so that they couldn't use those colors when they were doing their rainbows or doing different things. That was intentionally trying to make sure that their pictures were bright and pretty and vibrant. What it actually impacted was that my daughter no longer thought of black and browns as pretty colors. This is such a vivid illustration of how seemingly harmless decisions can have negative consequences if we aren't being empathetic in our thinking and considerate in how our actions will be perceived by others. As we work with Nick on these issues in our Captain Compassion series, other independent media creators are doing the same all across the country.
1: I am a part of a much bigger movement, and there are other creators out there who have who started their journey a lot earlier than I did and had to struggle because they were trying to do it way before this sort of recent awakening. Um, one particular um, creator is um, Manuel Godoy. He is uh, the creator of Black Sands Entertainment. and uh, for years, um, he was creating his Black Sands um, intellectual property and continually getting rejected, right? So he would take it to the main studios. Oh, no, thank you. That's not what we're looking for. This is not really in our area. Um, this doesn't really fit our target audience. Uh, and, and because his comic was set in uh, an ancient African continent where all of the old gods... Uh, all the faces were brown, black, and and so he and was not getting any traction. But just recently, and I don't know if it's connected with some of the things that are happening in society today, his work has exploded. Um, he recently raised, I think, a million dollars in funding uh, for people to back his comics. He's working on a 3D animation, and, and it's all driven by characters of color. Um, and he is not, he's not exclusive either. You know, there are characters of all backgrounds in this comic. So but it's just led uh, by black characters. And it's just exciting to see that these things are now getting funded. Um, you know, Black Panther, though it wasn't animated, had a huge impact on like, hey, the viability of these this type of content, is not what you've been telling us for the last 20 or 30 years. Like people wanna see this level of diversity. People wanna see um, these faces on screen. So um, it's changing slowly, uh, but it's, it's changing.
0: Nick, you and I are so in sync because uh, as I was kind of thinking about this conversation, prepping for it, I actually have a note here that says Black Panther. I, I just started thinking about the importance of from a representation standpoint the importance of that movie when it came out and um you know how just how important it is that you see yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> depicted in positive amazing authentic ways and i remember what that movie did for um for our community and still just hearing the, the name Black Panther, it, it makes me <laughs> smile and so incredibly happy. And you're right, it's um, it's a great example of, you know, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, um, you know, what kind of magic can be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you feel like, you, you kind of touched on this a little, do you feel like things have been getting better in terms of representation on, on screen? What, what have your experiences been like behind the scenes working in entertainment? Yeah, in
1: 2003... 2003- I was a computer programmer at FedEx and I wasn't very happy. So I said, okay, I'm moving to LA. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like, (laughs) but I'm going there and I'm gonna become an animator. I remember my mentor, I asked him, I told him I wanted to be a show creator and he told me um, essentially that that will never happen.
0: Mm. And
1: wow, I was I was really crushed at first, but what he meant was that it's such a small, tight knit group of people who get the they get the once in a lifetime opportunity to make a show, and that tight knit group at this point is a very small collection of people who are very similar. I guess the industry leaders at this point are from a very small group of people, and it's hard to introduce people into that. And so uh-huh. those sorts of things tend to keep the diversity out, and um, and I don't know if that was <laughs> one of the things impacting my journey within it, but after a while I realized that it's it's much easier to, for me to go out and do my own thing.
0: What do you th- what do you think needs to change? Um, how do you think we get to a place where? we really have more diverse groups of people behind the scenes and in, as we were talking about before, decision-making roles.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I think that work's gonna have to happen outside of the industry. And so um, a few folks are going to have to do something that captivates the attention of the world, and then the industry is going to come to them asking them to work with them. So you have creators like uh, Issa Rae, Um, who are setting up programs and contests and opportunities for creators to sponsor creators outside of the industry. Um, You have, um, you know, I mentioned Manuel of Black Sands building his own thing. And so I think when when you're able to build your own thing outside of it and then later develop partnerships, then each person comes to the table with a little bit more equal footing. It's not a dependency relationship. It's going to have to be Uh, a a collaborative, cooperative uh, interaction. And unfortunately, at this point, um, with the structures that currently exist in animation and media, it would be difficult to do it from the inside.
0: This is great insight. And one that I think is relevant beyond just the entertainment industry. To really make changes, sometimes you may have to go around the existing power structures and create your own power structure. Instead of fighting for a seat at the table, what if we make our own table? That's exactly what Nick is doing as he works to grow his independent illustration business, following in the footsteps of media creators like Issa Ray and Manuel Godoy.
1: My plan, I have a 10 year plan to open an animation studio uh, in South Carolina. That's where all of my folks are from. I mentioned Issa Ray. And Life Water, which is a Pepsi company. I won a contest and was awarded about $10,000 towards a project.
0: Hey, look at you. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, it's
1: a $10,000 award, and I'm supposed to have a 30-minute conversation with Issa. Uh, what?
0: <laughs> Do you need PR representation? I am happy to <laughs> to get on that call yeah, with you. Know, you let me know. For me,
1: that is, <laughs> that's almost more valuable than the than the cash award. Uh, is the ability yeah. to have that conversation oh. with her and 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 talk to her about, you know, exactly this. And so <clears throat> right now I have a comic that I worked over, worked on during the pandemic about this um black space pioneering family and um I'm hoping to translate that into short uh, animated pieces. Yeah, my future I'm hoping 10 years to be doing this Things like Captain Compassion full time, uh, and uh, you know, getting my message out to the world.
0: Woohoo, Yes, Nick, I love it. I love it. Um, do you have any advice for people that are looking to diversify their media?
1: Oh man, um, the first thing that comes to mind is support small creators, right? And um, and even the small creators in your circle, right? I think um, a lot of times people. Um, are so, their attention is so focused on the big, big ones. Uh, You know, Marvel, DC, uh, you know, Disney and all those. Oh man, it's great that Disney has introduced this, this diversity into these characters, but there's probably an artist in your circle of people who have been doing something that they're passionate about and that is speaking to their small community of folks uh, representing their small community of folks right and they need your attention and that's that's where the future is in terms of diversity of of conversation and diversity of ideas diversity of character they they need our love they need our support because they're going to be the ones who are going to bring some of those new ideas uh, and and if you're looking for something different and niche that's that's the place to look
0: I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to check out the comic series Nick is working on about the black pioneering space family. And as we think about diversifying our media and diversifying the media we expose our children to, I think his advice about supporting small creators is spot on. Instead of waiting on major media conglomerates to catch up to the rest of us, let's find those folks who are doing the good work in our own communities and support them people like Nick, or people like children's book author Theanne Griffith, who Andrea talked to recently on the podcast. It's so important that every child is surrounded by diverse representation. Then, hopefully, they'll feel more free to express themselves authentically and to find their voices at an earlier age. Things like Nick's aha moment, realizing that he doesn't draw Black characters, or my awakening that women of color can be newscasters, will be things of the past, let's hope, because they'll be taken for granted from the start. I'm your host, Shauna McBride. Thanks for listening to the Grow Kinder podcast. If you learned something from this episode, consider sharing the link with a friend or colleague who you think may enjoy it as well, or Give us a rating or review in your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. These little things really do help us grow and reach new audiences and further our mission of creating a kinder, more compassionate world.